the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Merry Christmas, and welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we continue our study verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the Bible with Senior Pastor Will Ramirez. Today, as we journey through our special Christmas series, Pastor Will concludes in the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, verse 10 through 19, with part 3b of a message entitled, The Wonder of the Incarnation. Well, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 2, and we will continue looking at this wonder called the Incarnation. We saw that Jesus succeeded in every area that we failed, that as a Son of Man, He will inherit all things, yet we do not see the world under His rule currently. Jesus made a very interesting statement in John chapter 11, 25 and 26, and I like to teach on this at memorial services. I don't talk about death as just a natural part of life. No, I explain how death is not a part of the Christian life. Because Jesus, when Martha's brother died, when Lazarus died, and she came to him and said, she was heartbroken. She said, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus says to her, he goes, your brother will rise again. That sounds a bit callous, doesn't it? What do you? And she even, you see her response. What do you mean my brother's going to rise again? I know he's going to rise again. How does that help me right now? That's not the point. I didn't come to you because I go, I don't know if I believe in a resurrection. I came to you, Jesus, because my brother's dead and I have this pain right now. And what do I do? That's when Jesus replies. And he says, you missed my point, Martha. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he is dead, yet shall he live. He that believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Talk about being put on the spot. That's crazy, Jesus. What do you mean never dies? I mean exactly what I said. I'm the resurrection and life. Martha, if you believe in me, like your brother believed in me, there is no death. There is no death. You see, For the believer, our last exhale in this body becomes our first inhale in heaven. There's no end. There's no waiting period. There's no no chunk of, of, of nothing. There's no sleep. There's no holding place. We're absent here, and we're with the Lord, right? There is no death, because the Bible describes death in two ways, not as ceasing to exist, 
But as the body physically dying and our spirit and soul leaving our body, and then secondly, being separated from the Lord for eternity. That is not our experience as a Christian, right? So while my spirit and soul may leave this body, and and to be frank, that's not a bad idea on some days, we'll always be with the Lord. And you'll always be with your brothers and sisters, right? Jesus wrecked all the reasons for the fears that tempt us to maximize the now, to live as if this is it. And because of that, guess what? I can prefer others above myself because this isn't it. I can patiently wait because this isn't it. I can rest in him even in horrible situations. I can find joy even in my pain because why? Now isn't forever. Whatever you're going through now isn't forever. And forever is really good. You and I aren't living for now. We are living to follow our captain until we reach glory. Amen? Amen. So Jesus, thirdly, he rescued us from the power of death. Now you might be saying, Pastor Will, that's hard though, (laughs) especially when life is hard. I understand that. And you know what? Jesus knows that too. That's why he is Emmanuel, God with us. Not used to be with us, will be with us, but God with us. Emmanuel doesn't mean God came for a little while to be with us or that God will come someday in the future to be with us. It means what it means, God with us. And thus in verses 16 through 18, we see this fourth blessing that Jesus gave to us by his life that still gives, that enables us to live in this present evil world. Verse 16, for verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Jesus did not become a member of the angels. Don't let anyone tell you Jesus is an angel. Don't let anyone tell you that he was Michael the archangel. He never joined the group of angels, all right? He joined our group. He became a member of humanity. Wherefore, in all things, it behooved him. Because he did this, in all things, it behooved him. The word behooved means it was necessary. He was obligated to. By becoming a man, there was something Jesus had to go through. All things to be made like unto his brethren. Jesus was fully human, not 99%, not 98%, not 94%, not 50%. He was 100% human in his experience. He experienced everything we experience. Why? Why was this necessary? Why did he have to experience that? that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in all things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. That he could become not just a high priest who could bring an offering that would be acceptable to God for us, but that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest. Jesus, as the Son of God, could have acted as a mediator. It's not like he doesn't have the skill set until he becomes a man. He could have been the go-between for us. He could have mediated between us and and God the Father. He could have somehow done something for that. But by becoming a man, he would become more than just a high priest, more than just someone that we could go to to get to the Father. 
he would become a merciful and faithful high priest. The word that he phrased that he might be means that he might acquire or experience a state. Jesus, by becoming a man, acquired and experienced a state of being that allowed him to be not just a high priest, but a merciful and faithful high priest. What does it mean that he's a merciful high priest? When we think of mercy, we usually think of the idea, the the theological idea that we don't get what we deserve. And that's true, that Jesus is merciful. He does not give us what we deserve. Thank you. But the word merciful here is different. It means that he might become one who has compassion on those who are struggling. Now, maybe you have experienced this. Maybe you've done this to someone where they're struggling with something and you have no sympathy at all for them, no compassion at all for them. You're just going, here we are again. If that's been done to you, you know that hurts. And when you've done that to others, you know you're probably not being nice. Jesus is never like that. He is compassionate when he sees us struggling. His heart goes out to us when he sees us struggling. You know, as a parent, there are a lot of things I say, and as soon as the words leave my mouth, I hear that still small voice in the back of my mind going, oh, really, Will? Is that so? Like this one. How many times do I have to tell you? And then that still small voice comes right in the back of my mind. How many times do we need to have this conversation? When are you going to learn this? And that still small voice always says the same thing. Do I ever ask you those questions in that tone of voice, Will? (laughs) Never. Because he's compassionate. His heart goes out to us when we're struggling because he knows what it's like to be tempted. He knows what it's like to have to wrestle. He knows what it's like to see other people struggle. And secondly, his experience also taught him or equipped him to be a faithful high priest. The word faithful means one you can trust. I love little guys, mostly because I've learned the secret of how to have fun with them. If you go into a room of little guys and you want them to accept you, do one simple thing. Go get on the ground with them. When I see little guys especially one that's kind of nervous around me, one of the first things I do is decrease my physical being to their height. And if it's in a place where I can sit on the ground and play with their toys or whatever while they're playing, I do the same thing. Because that's a clue for them. Oh, they get it. I can trust them. And Jesus, by coming a man, by becoming a man, by living how we lived, He became someone that we can trust. Not because we just go, well, he's trustworthy, I think. He says he's trustworthy, so I I should trust him. No, because he's lived it. He's lived it. So he's compassionate as a high priest. He is someone you can trust. Certainly Jesus became fully man to reunite us with God through his sacrifice, but he also experienced all that it means to be human so he could identify with us and what the high priest does is help us, especially in times of temptation, for in that he himself has suffered being tempted. He is able, equipped, has the ability to succor, help, assist those that are tempted. 
He can help us in times of temptation. You know, when the the part of the high priest's job was to be sympathetic. And so as you would come up and you'd be trailing a little fluffy behind you, you know, coming to the tabernacle, and the high priest would see you come up and he'd say, John. And he'd look at that lamb and he'd go, John, what happened? You know my neighbor, Bob. He's always letting his animals go and munch on my yard, you know. And I lost it. I totally lost it. And I killed one of his animals. I got to make restitution. I've already given him a lamb, and now here's one I'm bringing to the Lord for forgiveness for my trespass offering. Part of what the high priest's job was to do is to go, John, I understand. I've done that too. Let's go take it to the Lord. Jesus can do that with you. But he can do one thing better than that high, those high priests could. He can not only just say, let's take it to the Lord together. He can say, and let me help you get it right. Let me help you not fail this way anymore. Let me live through you and succeed where I already succeeded. I don't need you to try to live the Christian life. I already lived it. Now let me live it through you. He can do so much more. That's why he's our great high priest, why he is the best high priest we could ever have. If you are in pain or you feel alone or you're afraid or you're tempted, you can certainly and should certainly look to heaven with expectation for Jesus' return. Lord, I can't wait for you to get back. But you must also look beside yourself to see Christ's life, the totality of the incarnation, all that he lived through by becoming a man, because it's through that that he can help you live through it until he returns. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. It piggybacks on this idea of what it means that he can help those who are tempted. Hebrews 4, 14, it says this, seeing then he establishes that Jesus is a, a high priest who can help us. Then in chapter, uh, the rest of chapter, or all of chapter 3, and, and then the beginning of chapter 4, he's urging us to listen to our great high priest, to not listen to, to these other thoughts. But then he concludes, verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let's hold fast our profession. Let's not give up. Let's not go backwards. For we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched, who can't sympathize with the feeling of our infirmities. It means who can't sympathize with our weaknesses. We don't have a high priest who can't sympathize with our weaknesses. No, but he was in all points tempted like as we are, With one exception, he never failed. He never gave in to temptation, yet without sin. So what do we do? Let us therefore come boldly before unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When you are going through these things, you can go to your Savior who not only knows what it's like to go through the struggle, but he he succeeded, never gave in to temptation, and therefore he can help you in your time of need. And even if Jesus didn't experience exactly what you're going through, his full experience of the human condition means he can sympathize. So if you're weeping, he'll weep with you. He'll comfort you. If you're raging or doubting, he will listen to you. And then he'll lovingly correct you. If you're scared, he will stay by your side. Never leave it. And if you don't know what to do, Well, just keep following him. 
Because the one who denied himself and took up his cross every day of his earthly life, you can know this one thing. He will always lead you to do the same. So I don't know what to do. Deny yourself, take up your cross today and follow Jesus. Because that's what he always did. And he will always lead us to do the same. In every way, Jesus can help us. Now, struggling with this, of course, is only possible if temptation still exists. Something that will not exist when Jesus rules. Satan will be locked up in the the abyss for a thousand years. So that temptation still exists right now is evidence that we still see things under mankind's rule, not the Lord's yet. And so the final question then might be, well, then why doesn't God fix that? I mean, why not just be gone, you know, and then come and bring the kingdom? Why doesn't Jesus just come back now and get rid of all the evil so we can have a perfect world again? Well, look at 2 Peter 3.9 with me. 2 Peter 3.9. Jesus has promised that he will do this. But 2 Peter 3.9 tells us he is not unfaithful to that promise. The Lord is not slack. He's not lazy about it. He's not just waiting to wait. He's not just doing it because, you know, well, you know, I, I, I need to let him simmer for a bit. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness. Instead, he's this, but is long-suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You see, if you haven't trusted the Son of God, the reason he hasn't come back yet, Jesus waits because he doesn't want you to perish because you and I are part of the problem. If you're not saved, you know, if you're not, if, if you're being disobedient to the Lord, we're part of the problem. And he doesn't want anyone to experience 2 Peter 3.10, which says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. The Bible says that for believers, he, the day of the Lord will not come as a thief in the night. That's not for us, but for unbelievers it will. In the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Does that sound like something you want to experience? Not me. Not me. And Jesus doesn't want you to experience either. You see, so how do I avoid that? Well, it's really simple. The Bible has a one-word answer for it, repent. What does it mean to repent? It means to change your mind. It means you thought you were a good person, you thought you were fine going your own way, doing things your way, and now you're going to change your mind about it. You're going to say, you know what? I'm not a good person. I'm not going the right way. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not doing my best, and I'm falling way short even of what I consider to be my best. You agree with God about your sin. And then secondly, you receive his love. You place your trust in the Son of God who became the Son of Man. And the Bible says when you do so, you'll be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish. Whoever trusts in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Well, four things. What, Je- what did Jesus give us by his life? He, he identifies with us. Secondly, he is happy to be united with us. We're never alone. He has rescued us from the power of death, and he can help us when we're tempted. And that is the whole concept of Emmanuel. 
the entire concept of Emmanuel, God with us. You see it all throughout the Bible if you're looking for it. You'll find it everywhere if you're looking for it. It just doesn't call it Emmanuel. Jesus in Matthew 28, verse 20, what does he say? And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. I am Emmanuel, always, unto the end of the age. Same thing. What about when we read in our scripture reading in Acts 18, verse 10, when Paul was struggling, what did the Lord say to him? He said, the Lord came to him at night, and he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for I am what? Emmanuel, I am with you, still, still with you, always will be with you, even unto the end of the age. And then, of course, amongst many other places I'm not mentioning in Scripture, we see it here at the end of Hebrews chapter 13. And I'll close with reading verses 1 through 8. In Hebrews 13, verses 1 through 5, we see this practical application. What do we do? How do you know, we, you know, this is how we're supposed to live in this current evil world, even though we're struggling and going through challenges. He says, let brotherly love continue. Don't be forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Also, he says, remember them that are in bonds as bound with them, and those who suffer adversity as being yourselves in the body. You got your own struggles, so be sympathetic with those who are going through difficult times. Marriage is honorable, marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Be pure. Verse 5, let your conversation conduct your life without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. The Christian life, right? Why? For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Listen, I don't know what 2021 holds, but I can promise you this. It's not all of a sudden going to become different or better just because a clock ticks. Okay? I can promise you this also, that you can live in 2021 under this heading where you can say every day, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. I'm not going to fear what the government can do to me. I'm not going to fear what my boss can do to me. I'm not going to fear what a pandemic can do to me. I'm not going to fear what the virus can do to me. I'm not going to fear what, you know, uh, my neighbor can do to me. I'm not going to fear any of these things. I'm just going to walk with Jesus every day. Right? I'm going to do what his word says. You know? I don't like what the government says. Okay, that's fine. I have Second Peter, you know, First Peter chapter 3 to guide me, you know? First Peter chapter 2, to get, I think it's 3, might be 2 where it says, submit yourselves therefore unto the government, governing authorities as unto the Lord. I can do that without worry, without fear. You know, I can do all the things that are mentioned here. I can do everything that's listed without any fear at all, knowing that the creator of the universe will never leave me, never forsake me, that he's my helper. I don't have to be afraid of what man will do to me because I belong to him. Amen? Amen. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith imitate, considering considering the result of their conduct. Look at the godly people around you and how they're filled with joy and how they've got hope and no matter what's going on. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is still with us. Amen? Amen. You know, if you keep reading in verse 9, it tells us, don't be cared about with strange doctrines and weird teachings. Listen, there's a lot of things you can invest a lot of time into today. There's a lot of voices out there who want your ear, and you give, give it to them. However, 
I would encourage you, listen to Emmanuel. He never changes. He's always steady. You can always trust him. You can always rest in him. Amen? Oh, Lord, what a, a joy that you're not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters, that we're part of your family, we're your bride. What a joy it is to know that you've been through everything that we could go through and that you get it. We're not talking to someone who doesn't understand. We're not talking to someone who's not sympathetic. Let we thank you that you've rescued us from the power of death. We don't have to live underneath its fear and its bondage. It tells us, live now. No, no, if, if, you, if you don't do this, life will be bad. Oh, Lord, we're not living for that. It's okay. We'll be forever with you. And Lord, you have won where we failed. You're compassionate in our failures and our struggles. You're worthy of trust because you're faithful. And we can look to you in all of our struggles, all of our temptations, for the help we need to overcome them because you already overcame. Thank you for your life. Thank you that you're still Emmanuel. You're still with us. We give our lives to you in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will Ramirez, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. If you have any spiritual or physical needs, please contact us. We would love to pray for you and assist you in any way we can. You can reach us at 407-523-0800 during our office hours, Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.